You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Let's all celebrate International Tea Day. The Tea Day Sofa Summit is Monday, May 23rd. And global instability is suppressing East African tea prices. Plus, TPIS travels to Montvale, New Jersey, where Good Earth is celebrating its 50th anniversary with a revival of two beloved teas. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliptia tea estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. The United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO, is hosting its annual International Tea Day webcast on Monday, May 23rd, beginning at noon CEST at 6 a.m. on the Eastern Seaboard EST. Registration is free. Visit fao.org slash international hyphen T hyphen day to participate. The opening ceremony will be followed by a high-level presentation and one-hour panel discussion beginning at 1.30 p.m. CEST. The event is translated into eight languages, Arabic, Chinese, English, French, Russian, and Spanish. FAO Director General Dr. Chu Dongyu will open the session, followed by a keynote address by Dr. Amina Garib Farim, the former president of Marish and a biodiversity scientist. FAO writes that, quote, This year's celebration comes at a time when we need to find renewed commitment to our common objectives, including that of leaving no one behind, and tea can play a key role. During the COVID-19 pandemic, tea brought comfort to millions around the world, and a demand for the product saw a remarkable increase spurred by purchases for in-home consumption. 
market information collected by FAO's Intergovernmental Group on Tea showed that tea consumption expanded in all markets, even those that recorded a declining trend in per capita consumption over the years. More importantly, the data showed a surge in the demand for tea by the youth. This survey highlighted that young people rediscovered their love for tea during lockdown due to the hydration benefits and the feel-good factor. In general, consumers said they were drinking tea for comfort and relaxation and to feel good. An increasing body of scientific evidence shows a positive association between tea consumption and health benefits. Hence, drinking tea is a healthy social activity. Demonstrations of tea drinking traditions will follow the address. The program features five tea-loving countries, the Argentine Republic, the People's Republic of China, the Republic of India, the United Republic of Tanzania, and the United Kingdom. Participants in the panel discussion include the Chief Executive of the UK Tea and Infusions Association, the Deputy President of the China Chamber of Commerce, Regional Manager of Kenya's Tea Development Agency, CEO of Dilma Ceylon Tea Company, the President of Italy's Tea and Infusions Association, and the CEO, John Davison, of Ectera Tea. Business Insight Tea production generated $17 billion in 2021, and world trade is estimated at $9.5 billion, according to FAO. One key characteristic of tea is that smallholders are now responsible for an estimated 60% of world tea production. Importantly, says FAO, tea generates productive jobs and empowers individuals, especially women and their communities. The International Tea Day Tea and Herbal Association of Canada hosted SOFA Summit is a must-not-miss event. This year, they'll conduct the third annual SOFA Summit from dusk until dawn on Monday, May 23rd. The event, hosted by THAC President Shabnam Weber, quote, is a global village event, a virtual gathering where experts in their field have conversations about tea, health, and tea culture, end quote. The summit is on YouTube live and free to all, it begins at 8.30 a.m. on Monday, May 23rd through 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and will take you into the homes and workplaces of tea luminaries in Vietnam, Nepal, India, Europe, the U.S., China, Japan, Sri Lanka, Africa, and more. A schedule of all 25 participants is now available at www.t.ca. You can set a reminder at YouTube to watch Sofa Summit 2022. Global instability is suppressing East African tea prices. In July 2021, the Kenya Tea Development Agency set a minimum reserve price of $2.43 per kilo for tea sold at the Mombasa auction to stabilize historically low prices. It didn't work. Ten months later, volume is strong, but prices overall remain below the reserve minimum. 
Kenyan's export earnings grew 13.3% in 2021, earning 136 billion shillings. That's about 1.17 billion U.S. compared to 2020. Several unpredictable developments combined to hold average prices to around $2.30 per kilo. Oversupply is the most manageable. The subsidies and pay incentives stimulated production in East Africa to new highs in spite of drought and high temperatures. COVID-19 led traders to hoard tea as labor constraints reduced the spread of infection, but also depressed yield. That tea is now staling and needs to be sold. Finally, the conflict in Europe has dealt a serious blow to the reliable settlement of payments because Kenya, unlike market rival India, is adhering to U.S. and EU sanctions. Prices rallied to an average 240 per kilo the first week of May with 12.4 million kilos for sale. Select Kenya teas sold for 2.53 per kilo. Egypt and Pakistan were big buyers, but Russia and Ukraine remain absent. Russia is normally one of the top 10 buyers. About a third of global tea exports are auctioned in Mombasa. In general, tea auctioned by Tanzania growers and those in Uganda is priced below Kenya's average. Tea grown in Rwanda brings higher prices, averaging $2.94 per kilo during 2021 and nearing the pre-pandemic average of $3.05 per kilo on exports of 32.2 million kilos in early May. During the first two months of the year, Rwanda's exports increased by 7.3% compared to 2021, but the absence of Russian buyers and turmoil in Sudan will likely curtail that upward trend as the year advances. Sales of Tanzanian tea brought $1.51 per kilo on average, and Ugandan tea sold for an average of $1.43 per kilo. Arvinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports on this week's tea auction prices. India Tea Price Report for the week ending May 14, 2022. Auctions were cancelled in Sri Lanka last week even as the economic crisis continues. And this has seemed to impact the Indian Orthodox tea market and some of this was already visible in sale 18 last week. Auctions were held across all centres in India. The Middle East was the biggest buyer at the Kolkata auctions, picking up 48% of the Orthodox leaf on offer. Only 53% of Darjeeling tea on offer was sold and mostly picked up by local buyers. The average prices in Kolkata were down for this week for all teas. In South India, Cochin saw an active market for both dust and leaf tea. Exporters to the CIS and Middle East were active for Orthodox leaf, while CTC leaf saw good uptake from domestic buyers. In all, South India saw 87% of Orthodox leaf on offer sold. And now... A word from our sponsor. Hello, I'm Bogdan, a passionate tea drinker and the inventor of the ultimate tea machine, the Brewmaker One. Preparation is key to making fine tea. Sequential steepings deliver the best taste possible and unlock the true value of whole leaf teas and botanicals. 
Brew automates that process without using any pots or capsules. This simple to operate smartphone control device stores steeping profiles to consistently make great tea at the push of a button. Brew also reduces time, waste and energy. That's because I engineered the brew to remember control settings for temperature, brewing time and quantity. Using my patented process lets you stack steep simply and conveniently. This week, T-Biz travels to Montville, New Jersey, to the headquarters of Good Earth Tea, a division of Tata Consumer Products that is celebrating its 50th anniversary with a revival of two beloved teas. Sneha Balasabranium is head of marketing and innovation at Tata Consumer Products, she is a veteran brand manager who began her career as a marketing manager in Singapore with Tata Consulting Services. She worked for Accenture in Mumbai before joining Tata in brand management in 2014. Sneha was named Head of Marketing and Innovation in November 2021. The Good Earth brand was founded in 1972 by a Santa Cruz-based herbal tea company that supplied tea to a local restaurant that expanded into a chain of 50 franchises. The brand experimented with herbal blends during its first two decades, producing more than 40 varieties. Tata acquired the company in 2005 and relocated the offices to New Jersey. Thank you so much for joining us on the TBS podcast. We greatly appreciate you for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you so much. 90% of consumers mention authenticity as an important factor in deciding which brands they like and support. The successful tea brands are clear about their core purpose, delivering on the promise of a fine product in engaging and sincere ways. Will you discuss how Good Earth has retained its consumer relevance over a 50-year span? Good Earth, for, for those who don't know, has is born from California from back in 1972 or so. It's a legacy brand. Uh, and just like California, it's bright, sunny, fun, flavorful, and, and kind of wants to bring that smile to the end consumer. So we're, we're one of those brands who, who really believe in positivity and, and doing good. So that's at the core of, of who we are and what we do and what we stand for. It started off, you know, just in a small store as an herb under an herb company, and, and they started out uh, brewing lots of different permutations and combinations of herbs, which then went on to being teas per se. We happen to have a very famous and popular tea, which is the Sweden spicy. And that is just unmatched in the eyes of the consumers. And, and the reason is if you look at America and look at the tea drinking culture in the US, over 70% of tea is iced tea. And there is also a lot of cultural association to drinking tea sweet in the U.S. Um, so the sweet tea phenomenon is, is pretty huge compared to uh, anywhere else uh, in the world. So what sweet and spicy actually did, it had a natural sweetness without adding sugar, without adding any other kind of sweetener to it, which just came from cinnamon. Uh, and cinnamon is such a beautiful ingredient because 
it, it gives you obviously sweetness, but also a bit of spice to it that adds the dimension. And I think we hit hit upon something very beautiful there, which addresses the consumer needs, which which was just sweet and spicy. So from a product perspective, that's what we've always taken pride in. Uh, and from a brand perspective, we're someone who does everything with a with a bold flavor and a and a bold note um, and fun and positive note to it. So so that's kind of what Good Earth is all about. Will you describe how the brand's core values manifest in terms of formulation? What guides your sourcing and blending in creating Good Earth blends? We source Rainforest Alliance certified blends and brews. We're also a founding member of Ethical Tea Partnership. We have extensively tried to use 100% natural flavors, nothing artificial, even from a color perspective. If you look at our packaging, right, we've got a range of sensorial blends, um, which are biodegradable in tea bags. They've got compostable pouches, uh, recyclable cartons. So we, we, we genuinely are embodied in sustainability because that no longer is just um, a jargon or a terminology. It, it really is what consumers are very well aware of being good to the planet and the environment and, and kind of having that sustainable angle in, in every purchase that they make. If, if you talk about ingredients and flavors, you, you will see a lot of whole flavors utilized, sensorials. We don't really cut the fruits down, they're whole fruits. So the beauty and the aroma of the brew is actually not just taste-wise, but also visually very appealing to you. Um, so it's the entire tea experience that the brand kind of brings. The other role the brand has started to play in the tea category for the U.S. is that of democratizing a lot of these segments, uh, making it more affordable to the consumers. Um, so everyone can kind of enjoy a good cup of tea. So to, to make a sustainable purchase or to make a more eco-friendly purchase, you don't have to uh, burn the pocket or break the bank. So let us be that brand that helps you make a conscious effort toward the planet, as well as giving you a good quality tea. Good Earth has produced thousands of recipes over the years. Why did you relaunch lemongrass and black chai? Do you recall when these flavors were discontinued? I think it was early 2000s um, when, uh, when it kind of disappeared. When Tata's acquired Good Earth as a brand, we had, I think, hundreds and thousands of, of blends. And, and I think in a way to optimize, uh, we lost a few, uh, some of these star performers uh, along the way. We it's it's a funny story actually, and so on Facebook, I I happened to just stumble upon a group, which was created uh, by some really passionate Good Earth consumers, that were uh, discussing internally about hey I used to love this Good Earth lemongrass tea I can't seem to find it can someone tell me when I can find it and I I was going through the thread of conversations and you know people had made a few recommendations of you know, other brands and uh, other ways of getting a similar flavor profile. And it hadn't really pleased the consumer uh, and numerous of them. And I was just like, wow, you know, we we have consumers requesting for something, looking out for something that we previously so beautifully did. Um, and we were coming upon, uh, as I said, uh, this is our 50th year. And we said, why not? Why not? Rather than introducing something exotic and you know something out of the world and uh, really future-looking, let's let's bring back something the consumers really want and love, and and reward them with something they've been asking for. So we we actually had both um, 
the lemongrass in a decaffeinated as well as a caffeinated version. But just given the trends and, and the demand for decaf being a little bit more, we said, let's introduce the decaf lemongrass. And uh, we also decided to bring back a classic version of chai. So yes, so that's that's the story behind um, the, the power of consumer's voice and, and how it actually inspired us to, to bring back something wonderful. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.